Hey everyone, I want to welcome you to Zoe Church's podcast here in Los Angeles. Maybe you're joining us for the first time. We want to welcome you and encourage you to like and subscribe. Or maybe you're interested in partnering with us in the area of giving. You can text Zoe to 77977. But today we are jumping into the book of Isaiah and we are talking about a soaring season. So let's jump in and check this out. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 21, the prophet Isaiah is speaking to God's people here that are in exile far from home. There's actually decades, over a hundred years between chapter 39 and 40. So they've been far from home for a long time. They've been in a season of exhaustion and frustration and weariness. And we see the prophet Isaiah coming in and he's ready not only to encourage, but to remind him and to remind us that we serve a big God. Amen. Verse 21, it says, do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth the earth of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Or why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord because he's disregarded? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord's trying to wake us up again. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faith, but those whose hope is in the Lord. Today, I wanna talk about, for the next few minutes, a message, if you're taking notes, titled, A Soaring Season. And I wanna pray for you. And maybe you're like, I, soaring sounds nice. Like, I, I'm ready to fly. I'm ready to live life. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to take on all the things that God has for me. 
But the reality is, is that most of us don't live always in the soaring season. Maybe you're in a sitting season. Maybe you're in a stagnant season. Maybe you're in a weary season. Maybe you're in a faithless season. I love a Matthew, Jesus says, come, come to me, all of you who are weary and worn out, and I'll be the one that gives you rest. And in this scripture, it says, but those, but us, but you, but me, those who wait on the Lord, those who hope in the Lord, those who trust in the Lord. That's when we soar. Because when we depend on him, he's our source. And he's the one that allows us to live the fullness that he has for us. Amen. God, we thank you for every person in here. God, we thank you for every weary heart, every person that needs a reminder and an encouragement today. Speak to their season. Speak to their strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Well, what a beautiful passage and a reminder of strength. I don't know if you're like me and you're like, I could use some strength today. Maybe it's not supernatural strength. Maybe it's some physical strength. Uh, but maybe you're here and you're like, okay, I feel like a little bit of the opposite of strong. I'm like soft, you know, like not physically, but maybe like emotionally. Um, Maverick in between, he's our eight-year-old in between the services. He's very tactile. He likes to cuddle. He likes to touch. And he's just, I don't know, he's poking me in this area. Um, and he's like... It's like, what did he say? It's like a fluffy pillow filled with slime. So these are the words that my eight-year-old described. I mean, listen, I'm like, that fluffy and slime in the stomach region, that's, that's the opposite of strong. But I don't know where you're at in your journey and where you're at today. I don't know if you walked in with like the words of these verses that described faint and weary faith. But the reality is, is that we hear these scriptures and he says, those that wait on the Lord, those who's put their hope in the Lord, those who trust in the Lord, that's where our strength becomes renewed. Now, I, um, I love an adventure. I'm, um, I'm not like calling you out on things, but I am the more adventurous one. Um, one of our first arguments when we were married, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want to hear about mom and dad's arguments. One of our first arguments when we were married was, um, I had like a hint of uh, identity crisis, and I started beating my chest. I don't know why this made me feel stronger. Um, but my maiden name was McGregor, and I used to be like, Julia McGregor was somebody. Like, I used to do some things, like, I live some life, like, and now I'm in your life, and I was somebody. And he's like, I'm not accusing you of not being someone, you know. And, uh, 
But the reality is, is that before Chad and I got married, I was addicted to adventure, addicted to adrenaline. Now, since we've been married, I've still done some adventurous seeking things. I'm looking at him. I'm like, do I commit to all of my confessions here? But before we got married, I did this insane thing that I don't recommend called skydiving. Now, yeah, shout out. It's a one and done thing. But the most terrifying part of skydiving is that you you ascend, you go on an airplane, and then they just stop in midair. And you're like, I'm the plane's no longer moving. Then they open the door and you sit on the ledge and you wrap your heels underneath the plane and then you just tip over. Cannonball. And so while we're going up, I forget to ask one question because in my mind, the instructor's like, we jump and then parachutes open. I said, oh, so like how long do we fall before the parachute becomes like, I don't know, what do you rip it? Opened? Opened. Opened's a great word. Um, And they're like, oh, about 75 seconds. I'm like, 75 seconds of free falling? I'm like, okay, great. Well, my fault for not like researching or watching the instructional manual video. But here we go, like jumping out of the plane. And it was a a fun experience. Uh, But since then, I've done quite a few adventure things. But when I get to the source of why, and we all have that friend that seeks adventure, I got to a place where I was like, I was not content with living life unless there was adrenaline attached to it. So then I get married, and then I get in a routine, and then I get into momhood, and I had to wrestle with the weight. Because every time, sometimes I felt discomfort or I felt maybe even, if I'm being honest, untrust with um, the joy that comes from the Lord. I was like, let's go, let's go run a marathon or let's go do something adventurous. Now all you guys do these ice bath things. I'm like, I'm at peace with my contentment. So I don't need to prove myself to anyone. But the thing is, is that a lot of us live in the place of waiting. We're waiting for a text back or for a promotion or to get to the next season or we're waiting in line. And in our waiting and in our patience and in our faith journey, we get sometimes discouraged and frustrated like the audience here in this passage. And we get discontent and it messes with our identity because sometimes when we're waiting, we want to take things into our own hands and start taking control. Now, I'm not proud of this as a mom, but there's been some times that there's been some lines that are a little too long and I release one of my kids to go forward and then I pretend like I'm looking for a kid just so we, I'm not saying I'm cutting in line, I'm just saying my kid cut in line and I had to find my kid. That's all I'm saying. But what happens is, is sometimes we make emotional decisions. We make decisions with our life because we are not trusting in the waiting season. And he says, but those who put their hope or their 
trust or their weight in me, then that is where you will find strength. That is where you will know that I'm your source. The first thing we see here is he says, but those that wait on the Lord, they will first, here's the first promise, they will renew our strength. Now that sounds like a great promise to me. Anyone else? I'm like, renew my strength, Lord. Give me all the supernatural strength. Give me all the emotional strength. Give me all the physical strength. Like, I want to be strong. Now, recently, I took this test. It was at my gym. I signed up for this health challenge. And they take this thing called BMI, body max index, right? Okay, maybe some of you guys have done this. So they give me the number, and I gasped. I was like, okay, I haven't done this in like a decade. Obviously, some of the numbers have changed. And I did what a lot of us do. I put it into the internet. I said, is blank number okay? And the internet came back with some alarming suggestions, some ads to some things that like maybe some of you guys use for immediate weight loss, um, some, some suggestions. Now, weight loss was not my goal, but getting stronger is my goal. Last night, I told one of our staff members what the number was after the service, and he goes, wait, what? Sorry, not he, they. It was very ambiguous here. This person said, wait, what? And I was like, I don't know if that's a confused wait, what, or a shocked wait, what. No matter what, the wait, what is not encouraging to me. <laughs> Followed up by this person telling me their number. And I'm like, 11%. I got it. Not, that's obviously not my number. Your number is 11%, and that's also not encouraging to me. Um, but I think when I was trying to like process and research how to get stronger, a lot of times we're like, okay, yes, I want to get stronger. I want God to renew my strength. But the only way I could get stronger is that I had to embrace the resistance. And sometimes in our faith, we need to embrace some of the pressures of life that come against us. Instead of going around, instead of blacking out in different seasons, we need to say, okay, God, you've called me to this, and I know that it might not be easy, but I'm going to embrace the resistance because I know that you're producing in me perseverance to get through the thing that's ahead of me. See, renew means resume. It's an activity that happens after an interruption. Now, life is full of disruptions. Uh, life is full of interruptions, especially if you're a mom. In other translation, it doesn't use the word renew. It says increase our strength, which indicates between renew and resume increase that we started with something. See, we serve the God that he can, he can do a lot with a little. 
And maybe you are here and you're like, I do feel weary and I don't have a lot of strength in me. Guess what? Great news. We serve the God who specializes in empty vessels. He wants to be the one that fills us up. It says, in your weakness, I am strong. It says, my power is greatest in your weakness. It's, it, it, there's time and time again throughout the New Testament, especially in Paul's writing where it's like, I can do all things through Christ, who's the one that strengthens me. He likes to show his strength through our dependency on him, through our vulnerability, through our openness, through our surrender, through our weight, through our hope, through our trust. And we cannot get stronger if we not only embrace the resistance, but we can't get stronger unless we're consistent either. See, Chad and I, we work together, we have kids together, we live together, and we also work out together. This is is a great pattern, I recommend. Now, we go to the gym and we do a workout class, not necessarily for our physical bodies, but we go to the gym so we can forget our kids. So when I work out, I'm, I'm, I'm like trying to like be there mentally and then like not be there mentally. I don't know if that makes sense to you. But because of that, we're not going for the heavy weights. Like we're like, yeah, this, we're just getting through this. We're, we're just trying to like have our little workout and I'm not trying to pull my back or pull a muscle. I've got nothing to prove. I've already had the four kids and jumped out of an airplane. This, these are, these are my luxury years. Okay. You know, give me those five dumbbells. Get over here. Um, but when I was reading that, all the things that I need to do. Now, before you send me all the suggestions to info at zoechurch.org, like I've tried the bone broth and the supplements, but all the things, and I know you got suggestions, to produce strength within me. We have to have resistance, but we have to have consistency. We have to, what does the word say? It says, give us our day, our daily bread. We need to have consistency with our spiritual disciplines. We need to have regular, consistent training of our mind and our spirit and our soul and our confession. Our consistent needs, our confession needs to be consistent. Remember that an airplane or an eagle, it doesn't take off with the wind. It takes off against the wind. So we need to know what it is to embrace the resistance, to have consistent ability with those disciplines. But also we cannot get strong unless we have rest and recovery. Jesus postures this before he goes to the cross. He, he, he prays. He spends time with the Father. We need to know what it is to recover our souls and ourselves to be able to develop spiritual muscles. We need to know what it is to have mental fortitude by refreshing ourselves with God's word and time and his presence. The posture of rest also looks like patience. We cannot 
develop strength unless we know what it is to be content in the wait. We need to know what it is to say, God, I surrender this season to you. And I will only soar if you are the one that is taking flight. I am the one that says I will mount up, but you are the wings that get me there. You are the one that goes ahead of me. Can I just encourage you today? There's more strength inside of you than you think. He's developing you today. And maybe you can't see the clear picture yet, but don't quit. Don't drop the heavy thing that feels like too much because if he's entrusted you to carry it this far, he's expanding you and developing you to give you more to carry in the next season. Embrace the resistance. Allow him to use your life so that he can allow you to soar in this next season. Second thing in verse 26, it says, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens who created all of these. He who brings us the starry host one by one. Let's stop there. I love that. He says, look at the sky, look at the stars, look at my vastness, look at my magnitude one by one. How many millions of stars I know the number. I created all of this. Just look up. Look how big I am. Take a look. I love that he keeps challenging. Have you not heard? Do you not know? He does that a couple times. Do you not know that I am God? Period. That's like what he's saying. He's like, look up. Look at what I've done. Look at all of this. And I know the number. I know the specific details. I know what you're worried about. I know what you pray and quiet. I know the sin that you're hiding deep within. I know, and I'm with you. I formed you. I knew you. I know the hairs on your head. I know. I know the number in the stars. So look up. Get a picture that I am God. And calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength. He's not saying because of our great power and because of our mighty strength. He's like, because of my strength and my power and my lordship. Not one of these is missing. Meaning, I know what I'm doing. Meaning, I am in control and you're not. Second Chronicles 16 says it this way. He says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. Proverbs 15.3 gives us the reminder that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Translation, if he has an eye on things, then our eyes should be on him. If he's watching everything, then we need to simply look up. See, we need to remember our source and it's time for us to learn to look up. We have a looking problem, don't we? I mean, I have a vision problem. Um, I need to go to the eye doctor, you know? What, I see I haven't even ever gone to one of those. Ophthalmist, is that right? No, yeah? Up, you know, we're fine. Up. 
We can cut that out, right? Um, my vision is not as good at night as it is in the morning, so we'll just say it that way. And um, things get a little fuzzy, and, and I've been known to misread things and um, say the wrong score. You know, there's a lot of games going on in our house. We have, obviously, sports. Um, but I'm like, when things are blurry, it's, it's frustrating for everyone, right? And we do have a looking problem. Maybe we are having a hard time seeing his goodness. Maybe we're having a hard time seeing all the great things that he's done for us. Maybe we're having a hard time seeing how to be grateful for those things. Maybe we have a looking too much problem, looking at him and looking at her and looking at what they have and looking at what we have not and looking at our lack and looking at their abundance and looking everywhere except for the source. But he says, lift up your eyes. Second Corinthians 4 says, so we fix our eyes. Fix our eyes, not take a glance. We lock our focus. We make it a daily discipline to say, God, I look to you. I fix my eyes on you. I focus on you, but we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. Good news today. The thing that you're facing is not going to last forever. It's temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Can I, if you leave with nothing except for this reminder... Can you try to practice living with an eternal mindset? I promise you this will help you. If you're like, my aim, my goal is eternity and heaven, some of these light afflictions, as Paul calls it, they become lighter. Because I have the hope of glory and everlasting life. Because I have a kingdom mindset. What I'm facing today my flat tire or my small thing becomes smaller. Now, I'm not diminishing that. And God gives us the promise that he cares and he's with us in every season and every storm. But it gives us perspective. And that perspective allows us space for hope. Light affliction, eternal focus, fix our eyes. On him. Look up, look up. Sometimes we're not looking in the the right places. Sometimes we can honestly we can honestly think that we're in a wrong place, but we're in the right place, but we're just looking at the wrong thing. Sometimes with relationships, we're like, this is the wrong relationship. No, maybe it's the right relationship. You're just looking at the wrong things. You could be in the right place at the right time, in the right season, with the right people, but you have a wrong perspective and gaze. Look up. Fix your eyes on Jesus and remember his promises and look through his lenses. Amen.
The third thing I love in this passage is this picture of soaring. And today we all want to soar. We all want to live. We all want every season to be one that's full of life and full of ascending the hill. But sometimes we stop because we've lived and experienced too much that we're fearful to take off. But can I remind you today that God's desire so much that his picture to people that have been in exile and frustration and weariness is one that's flying up. Amazing. I mean, they are so faint and they're so weary and he's not even saying, let's just, you know, let's just get up and be encouraged today and get you a smile. He's like, no, I'm going to take you from here all the way to over there. My hope is that you get up there because we serve a God that made you for big things. He wired you to dream big dreams. There's something not only good inside of you, there's something big inside of you. And we need to know what it is to believe big so we can reach great heights for him. So he has this picture of an eagle. And in some translations, it says, mount up like wings. And I'm reminded so many times throughout the Bible and so many times in the New Testament, in in Jesus' words, we see him activating our faith to say, get up. It's time to go. It's time to step up. It's time to wake up. In John 5, Jesus tells the man that's lame, he says, rise up. It's time to walk. Get up, grab the mat, let's rise on up, and let's go. Jesus tells his friend Lazarus, who's been dead, he tells him, wake up. Open your eyes to the life that I have and I can bring. He wants to activate our faith. I love the passage of the prodigal son and it's a beautiful picture of grace and Jesus's love for humanity and for us and in in forgiveness and embracing who we are and our mess and our sin he loves us just the way we are but it says that the father looks for his son who's out in the distance and he goes to the edge of the property And he says, oh, there's my son out there. There there he comes and he embraces him and he hugs him and they have a party and a celebration. But he had to step out in faith to be able to see. And sometimes we need to activate our faith to get up, to step up, to mount up on those wings and to get to the place that he has us. He says, mount up on wings. I think a lot of us spend too much time in the sitting seasons. We spend too much time 
in the place where the enemy has intended us to be. And we're not just weary physically or emotionally or spiritually. We're weary mentally. And he wants us to dream big because depression and dreaming can't coexist. And he wants us to get perspective of one that climbs to the top of the hill. Our son Clive, he's six years old. He just turned six. And his name means one that ascends to the top of the hill. Now, Clive is filled with confidence and determination and focus. And when I was pregnant with him, I was researching men that had the name Clive and what they accomplished. And the description of the name, one that ascends to the top of the hill, is like one that conquers, one that wins, one that knows how to get there despite anything. Now, that comes with great confidence in yourself. We have this saying, no one loves Clive more than Clive. And um, we had this project at school. Kindergartners do 100 day, like once they reach 100 days of school, they do this project. And most kids do like popcorn or cotton balls or I don't know, Cheerios or whatever it is. Clive printed out 100 photos of himself (laughs) to glue to the poster board to turn in, look at me. Aren't I great? (laughs) But I think that that confidence is inspiring because all of us want to get up there, but we can't get up there without belief. Belief in ourself. Belief in our own strength that comes from his strength. Believe big. Dream big. Because I want you to get up on the wings of eagles and fly to the places that I have called you to go to. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I think about if I don't have belief or if I don't look up and if I'm looking all around or if I'm looking down or I'm looking at my doubt or I'm looking at my circumstance. Your mind starts to wander and disbelief starts to creep in. And that doubt and that lack of faith is where the word weary and faint start to seep in. He says, you're faint or weary but I want to renew your strength. I want to show you what soaring looks like. I want to be your source of strength in this season. And I thought it was so interesting in this verse, it says, you're gonna fly, you're gonna run, and you're gonna walk. And in every season, I'm going to be your source. You're going to know what it is when you walk. And you're going to know what it is when you run. And you're going to know what it is when you soar. But all of those three things are at different paces. Our life, the race, 
is one that requires a lot of different paces. See, we need to run this race that he's called to and our objective is not only to finish well, but to get to heaven and for him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You finished well. You finished the race that I set out for you, the course that's only for you. We need to stop looking at other people's courses and other people's lanes. That gets distracting. That causes us to not look at our finish line and cause us to try to take on someone else's calling and someone else's way. He's designed us uniquely. Stay in our lane. He says, run the race. Running in the Bible is a metaphor and symbolic of a lot of different things as, as it is today, of discipline, of faith, of courage, of strength. And walking, as it is in the Bible, is a metaphor and symbolic of faithfulness, commitment, steadiness, patience. But we don't always soar, and we don't always run, and we don't always walk. But in every season, we not only need to surrender our plan and our race, but we need to depend on him for the pace that he wants us to go at. God, you know what I'm and you know what I'm up against. You know, you've gone ahead of me. You know what I'm facing. Can you give me wisdom in this season to know how to walk or to know how to run? Maybe it's time to go. Let me look up and see the big thing that you have for me. Maybe it's, maybe I need to get out of my walking pace because I'm too comfortable and maybe I need to start getting into a slow jog or maybe like you have things that are like happening faster. God has a fast forward button and he can open doors and all sorts of things for you. So, okay, it's, it's time to run, but I need, I need your wisdom. I need you to go ahead of me. Looking unto Jesus. God, we look to you today. He's the, he's the one. He's the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one that gives us endurance. This quote by John Piper says this. It says, waiting on the Lord is the opposite of running ahead of the Lord. And it's the opposite of bailing out on the Lord. It's staying at your appointed place. So your lane, your call, the thing that he called you specifically to do. While he says, stay. Or it's going at his appointed pace while he says go. It's not impetuous and it's not despairing. Appointed place at his appointed pace. It's both. Maybe you're here and you're like, I don't know how to get out of weariness. And weariness is winning. Surrender 
your pace and surrender your place. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand with me all throughout today?